Okay, my name is Kate Meller, and this is Jackie McGrenahan. And we are passionate about true crime and abortion. And being pregnant. And being pregnant <laughs> and being unpregnant. Um, and so we wanted to do a show about these things that interest us, especially because we all know from the Supreme Court leak last week that we are about to have even less access, possibly no access to abortion. And we also know that maternal mortality rates are highest in the United States than anywhere else in the developed world. And that black women are three to four times more likely to die. I didn't warn during pregnancy. I didn't warn Jackie when I was passing into her, but three to four times more likely to die. And we also know that a leading cause of death in pregnancy is actually homicide who'd have thought so if we're gonna have less abortion we're gonna have more murder so we wanted to use this podcast to talk about true crime but not just the individual when we talk about who the perpetrator is it's not just the individual responsible for um the the homicide in a direct sense but we think we're all culpable because we're all perpetrating these systems of white supremacy and capitalism and the patriarchy and all of those systems is what makes all of us unsafe. So we're going to give it a shot. So our first story is about a 2016 murder in Citronelle, Alabama. Now this murder is very, very gruesome, very gruesome. And it happened in Alabama, but somewhere near where Alabama and Mississippi meet. On August 20th, 2016, sometime after 1 a.m., but before daylight, Derek Dearman broke into the house uh, where his girlfriend at the time, Lenita Lester, was staying. So Lenita was staying in the home of her brother, who's Joseph Adam Turner, and there were lots of people in this small home in Alabama. So it was Joseph Adam Turner, his wife, Shannon Melissa Randall, and Robert Lee Brown. I can't figure out who Robert Lee Brown is in the relationship to the folks. And Justin Caleb Reed and Chelsea Marie Reed who are married young folks. And I included everybody's middle name because I'm from Eastern Kentucky and a lot of people from country really? towns. Yeah. Sometimes huh. they're called by both their first and okay. middle name. What's your middle name? It's K. Jackie K. <laughs> it, it's always, you know, a lot better when they rhyme. <laughs> but um, anyway, so Derek goes into this house and Lenita... She's been hiding out from Derek because they have a domestic violence situation. And Derek has been doing some fucked up shit to Lenita. And so Lenita's at her brother's house and she's hiding from him. And the reason that they know that this murder happened after one, because the first time when Derek showed up that night, someone called the police. So the police came and then they pushed Derek away. Well, another little piece of this murder is Derek suffers from substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. Derek is on methamphetamine. Oh, no. And 
I don't know if anyone out here has ever done methamphetamines, but I'm a person in long-term recovery, and I'm not in long-term recovery from methamphetamine, but I've done it before. So, And was that uh, sort of like a good, you know, sort of your best self? No, no, you're definitely not your best self. Actually, you're very far from your best self. Mm. So when I did methamphetamine, it wasn't the very ideal place to do it. Mm. I did it in a, I did it in jail. I did it while it was, it was in Boyd County. Oh no. (laughs) So I did methamphetamine for the first time ever and I'm in Boyd County jail. So, you know, jail is a really dreary, dreadful place to be, Mm. but when when you're locked up you're especially in county jail you're just stuck in this big room and it's you and however uh, many other people are arrested and split up between these three or four cells for women at Boyd County so the room slept about 12 but there's about 32 people in mm-hmm. there so and typical, somebody which is typical yeah especially in boyd county the oh, overcrowding yeah it, yeah most places in kentucky they're very very overcrowded yeah so someone had brought meth in how'd they get it in do you know oh yeah was it a scrunchie they nope they put it in their oh, in their nature's pocket jesus pocket yeah yep, that's okay. what they they had it in jesus, their jesus pocket, pocket. <laughs> <All right. Yep. laughs> that pocket that they were granted <laughs> they were given to them at birth so yes and yes we all did we all partaked in methamphetamine that came out of the vagina vagina. so um i'd never done it before and i did it and i tell you and where we it was spread out against so when you're incarcerated i'd say about 90 percent of the people you're incarcerated with also suffer from substance use disorder Mm -hmm. so Almost everyone in there was did the methamphetamine because we're bored. We have nothing yeah, else to do even except if you don't stare have at the walls. Substance use disorder, <laughs> yeah. and you have an opportunity to do something. Yes, you're gonna take advantage of it. So we did it, and where it was such a small amount, I don't know the full. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I, I don't understand. It wasn't the same type of experience that no. the, the, the perpetrator, no, the individual. In your story. Not at all. Not at all. But it was an experience where as soon as I'd done it, I couldn't stop talking. Like Mm -hmm. I talked. So how could you tell it was different than normal life? (laughs) Because I made. okay. so prior to, you know, we're all thinking of legitimate like I never want this to happen to me again. This is a horrible situation. I'm going to change my whole life around. Yada, yada, yada. Soon as the methamphetamine comes, all that shit's right out the window right back to the old, you know, let's do this. And then I plan a cross-country trip with all of the people (laughs) who are in the cell. (laughs) How we're going to get there, what we're going to do. Do you go to the national parks in it? It was a mess. It was a complete mess. And everyone is just, and I'm painting this story and everyone's on pins and needles. Yeah, people are waiting to see what's next. That's our our target. What is next? That's our target (laughs) podcast audience, actually. So if you were in Boyd County Jail, (laughs) 
around, <laughs> I'm going to guess the early 2000s, mm-hmm. go ahead and uh, join our our uh, fan page that we're going to create. Oh, yeah. You're you're used to me okay, talking Okay, so a lot. this guy, Derek, and I'm sorry I said perpetrator earlier. I don't think we want to we want to use pe- people centered language, so I'm sorry about that. But this guy Derek was so, on meth yes. and had been on meth it sounds like for a long time. And so with him being on meth for a long time, from my experience with people who have been on meth, it it's no longer that fun I'm talking a lot and we're laughing. Like that goes out the window. Yeah. What moves in is severe paranoia. Mm-hmm hallucinations you start seeing things that aren't there um a common theme that i know with people who are um have have experience with methamphetamine is seeing people who aren't there and having this ir- what we see as irrational irrational but what they feel is completely rational fear that something horrible is going to happen mm-hmm. so from a lot of these different stories, they're saying that Derek has, he's been on, he's he has substance use disorder. So who knows, for one, how long he's been awake yeah. on methamphetamine and all of the issues that go into. Well, and I think that's even a good, I think, like moment to pause for two things. First of all, if you've been up, even if you're not on meth, but you've been up for days and days and days, like I heard a podcast one time about how they don't even allow people to compete in the Guinness Book of World Records for sleeplessness. That might not be true, but it was an NPR podcast because it's so dangerous. Like you'll actually just die even from staying up. So that state of mind and then to be on meth obviously and we know that substance use disorder this is what we're talking about with the systems because we know that substance use disorder is prevalent throughout the country but particularly in the south where it sounds like these people are and we know that our first line of defense against substance use disorder has been incarcerating people and that has not worked boyd county there you go full circle great example like you're not getting the access to treatment that you need so this is an area where obviously Derek was responsible for some heinous things that we're going to hear about but the fact that we're allowing the systems to exist that refuse to really meaningfully invest in treatment for Derek means that we are all responsible for this type of violence because it sounds like it to some extent it's in, and it's inevitable given the situation that he's in so i'm sorry i just wanted to pull that out oh no absolutely and you're spot on you're very spot on so when you continue with what's going on with this story so derek has already shown up at the house But once you start looking at this house where there are five people who are living here before Lenita ever even gets before Lenita ever even goes. And it's not a huge house, right? No, it is a very small. It sounds like, I mean, when you said right in between Alabama and Mississippi, that already sounded like a scary place to be. Oh, yeah. It's an extremely small house. And there are several people staying there. We've got. Joseph Adam Turner, Shannon, Melissa Randall. These are the two main folks who are here. And this is Lenita's brother. And also in the house are Robert Lee Brown, Justin Caleb, Chelsea Murray. So Chelsea is pregnant. And 
Chelsea is married to Justin. And what they are planning to have a baby. And their story is really interesting in itself. So they were high school sweethearts and they loved video games. And I'm unsure of when they got married, but they had this plan that they're going to go to California They're going to live this wonderful life in Fresno, California. And they did it. Oh, really? Yeah. They went to California, but then a year later, they had to come back to Alabama. They weren't able. I'm sure it was some financial issues. And Chelsea got pregnant. It's so expensive to live in California. Yes. So expensive. So expensive. But when you're young, you know, the whole world is opened up for you. And you have all of these hopes and dreams. And especially for a young couple. But then once you find out that you're pregnant. Yeah. That can change everything. That can change the whole trajectory. I mean, it's like had they been able to stay where they wanted to stay, they They wouldn't wouldn't have been in the house. They wouldn't have even been there. They wouldn't have been in the house. And we know that social mobility in the United States is a joke. Like we all talk about the American dream. But when you actually look at like the numbers, you're far less likely in the United States than in lots of other countries to be able to sort of move up the ladder in terms of income and access to opportunity. So it sounds like, you know, they were hungry for this life, but they weren't, it doesn't sound like able to make it work. No, and they didn't get it. And so folks believed that Shannon was Chelsea's aunt. So it looks like Joseph and Shannon are letting a whole lot of people stay in their home Mm -hmm. because they have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. And this is, and because of, them doing these good deeds for other people that's what that's how they ended up getting murdered who it sounds like they already had some responsibilities they had an obligation to take care of their family Mm -hmm. and because of that they had all these folks staying with them which ultimately led to them being a target for Derek. right yes absolutely so here we get to this night you get the idea of what's going on in the home and by the way Joseph and Shannon have a three-month-old baby themselves. Oh, my God. They have a little baby in the house as well. So That's a little baby. A little baby. So Derek's been up who knows how long. He's completely out of it on methamphetamines. And he's tried to come in the house once. Police come. He leaves. He's back again. It's sometime after 1.15 one fifteen in the morning, but before daylight, Derek the comes scariest in the house. Hours the already. scariest, the scariest. And then think you're in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, near the Mississippi border. Derek comes in and he's got an axe and he's got a gun. He kills everyone. He kills Joseph Adam Turner. He kills Shannon Melissa Randall. He kills Robert Lee Brown. He kills Justin Caleb Reed. And he kills Chelsea Marie Reed. Oh, my God. He kills them all with the axe, then goes back and shoots them to make sure that they're not still alive. He takes Lenita and the three-month-old baby, kidnaps them, and takes them with him. And he drives to Mississippi. So he's still 
completely spun out on methamphetamine. He gets across the Mississippi border. He starts coming down. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Realizes what ha- what has happened. He lets Lenita and the baby go. Oh, my God. He lets them go. They go back to Citronelle, inform the police what's happened. They go into the house. They say it's one of the most horrific crime scenes. I can't imagine. I I can't imagine the trauma that has happened to Lenita and the infant. And Derek talks with his father. Eventually, he turns himself in. And, of course, you know, it goes... It's instantly, you know, he says, don't do drugs, da-da-da-da-da, all of these things. He's in, He ends up being sentenced to death in Alabama, which is... Predictable. Very predictable. When something like this happens, these are the type of situations where... That you hear a lot of folks who agree with the death penalty, that they'll say oh, well, that person deserves to die or that mm-hmm. person did it. You know, and they're not looking at, you know, Derek did some fucked up shit. Derek oh, yeah. did some fucked up shit. Yeah. For him to realize almost as soon as he's coming down. And he l- releases. Yes. That I, something, this is horrible. Yeah. I've Look what I've done. He releases Lenita, who's at the center of all yeah. of this. Plus the baby, you know, and then and turns himself in, admits to what's happened. So I believe that there's more than just a little bit of remorse there. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. And the fact that, like, he was completely out of his mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like you can be in control of your behavior at that point. No, no. And then, Kate, and I know you know this, how often, and this, of course, this is a case where... There's not, he has admitted to what, that he's Uh, done this. But how often are people sent to die when they aren't actually guilty of Mm -hmm. this? So it's really interesting because I think it's one in every, for every 10 executions that we've had in the United States since the death penalty um, was reiterated back in the 70s. Since every every 10 executions, you have one instance of an individual who's been exonerated. And we know we've executed innocent people. And there's actually a woman whose execution was just delayed in Texas, um, a, um, a Latina woman. And relevant to the story, I'm going to share, like, you're far more... I think the interesting thing when it comes to race and the death penalty for me, it's, of course, black people are proportionally more likely to get the death penalty. But what I think is even more interesting is that you're far more likely to get the death penalty if you kill a white person. And so to me, it says that, like, we only value um, white lives. So actually, it's a good transition to my story. I'm going to be talking about LaToya Figueroa. And LaToya was born in 1981. So I thought that was interesting when I saw that because I was like, oh, she's a peer of ours, really. Like, she's about our age. Like, I wonder Mm -hmm. what she would be doing today. And she was born in Philadelphia. And um, sadly and interestingly, when she was just four years old, her mom was murdered. So, yeah, um, which is not anything that's 
really shocking when you think about it because um, the greatest predictor of violence is having already experienced violence. So like she already experienced violence at a young age. And and something I want to touch on is going back to the death penalty. The death penalty is incredibly expensive. Alabama, I'd venture to say, is pretty poor. And so when you think about what would actually benefit victims and survivors of crime, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I think investing in those people. And so exactly, I think about this little girl. I think about Latoya as a little little baby as a little four-year-old and like what did the state do to invest in her you know nothing in the stories i read reported on that but likely nothing there's really small amounts of money out there there is some but small amounts of money for victims and survivors of crime and most victims and survivors of crime don't even take advantage of that because they don't know about it not because they don't want it so latoya as a little baby loses her mom Obviously, that's going to have a, a serious impact on her the rest of her life and the relationships she has as an adult. Um, she then went to go live with her mom's mom, her grandmother, who passed away when she was in high school. But it was also at this time that Latoya first really started to have a romantic relationship with someone named Anthony Williams. And she ended up um, getting pregnant when she was about 17 and gave birth to a baby girl who she loved dearly, you know, like her not having a mom made this relationship so much more important to her from everything that her aunt said and her cousin said, she was a great mom. Now, also when she was in high school, she had dreams of becoming a nurse, which like is a really ambitious dream to have. And like I said earlier, she really didn't have the type of resources you would need to be able to further your education in that way. So even though that was a dream for her, sort of like the the family in your story, they wanted to move to Fresno. They didn't have the support. They didn't have the access to, to jobs or access to education, maybe to be able to make their dreams come true. Because had LaToya been able to continue her education and continue um, you know, pursuing her dream, things may have ended up differently for her. But, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. And when you look at the adverse childhood experiences oh, yeah. in both of these stories and situations, there's so many things. There's so much potential for a different outcome. Yeah. A yeah. different outcome. And it's not just that it impacts them. It impacts all of us. You know what I mean? Like, think of all... I mean... We lose out on so much like talented people and beautiful people because we don't invest in babies and little people. Anyways, okay. So she, um, you know, as I said, was a really, all of her family just commented in so many different stories on what a wonderful mom she was. And even though things didn't work out between her and Anthony, they had a real cordial relationship. Like they both did co-parenting really well. And um, in 2005, LaToya's daughter was seven years old. She had left her with her family because she was staying the night with her partner at the time. And his name is, let me get his, oh, you remember, Stephen Pouchet. 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 Stephen Pouchet was her her partner at the time. Reminds me of Bobby Boucher. Oh yeah. Well, that's where the similarities end. (laughs) (laughs) Just right there. It reminds me of another word. (laughs) 
But and some of the stories called him Poosus, which he has. I looked, I looked him up on Facebook, but I don't. I'll get to that in a second. So, um, st- she went and stayed the night. Uh, and there are some varying accounts, but she went and stayed the night at her partner's house because he was going to go to the doctor with her. Because guess what? She was five months pregnant. <gasps> Just like Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. They were both five months, which is like, as you know, you're starting to like, everybody's different, but like you're starting to get big. Like people are noticing you. Like That's like the turning point I agree. in pregnancy. Yeah, I really agree. So um, they're supposed to go to the doctor together. Afterwards, they went out to eat and then he said he gave her cash to go shopping for baby things. And that's the last anyone hears of her. There's no action on any of her cards. There's no action on her phone. No one hears anything from her. I think that's July um, 17th. The morning of the 18th, she doesn't show up for her shift at TGI Fridays, which was something else I was going to pull out because at five months pregnant, was she a server? She was waiting tables. Yeah. And she had been waiting tables for two years. It was in downtown Philly. Like it's good money. By all the counts, Heck I think. yeah. But, like, when you're five months pregnant, you're getting to the point where you're saving. Like, if you have an hourly wage, because you're not going to have access to paid leave, if you're working an hourly wage, like, you are saving money and you are on your feet. Like, I know so many people that had that experience. I've heard that so many times. So, again, had she had a system to support her, like access to paid leave, perhaps we would, again, be in a different situation. I was pregnant waiting tables. That was, I loved it because I got such better tips. Oh, yeah. And, but the worst part about it is you are waiting tables up until you have a baby. right. You are waiting tables up. I would, it was cute and fun at five and six, even seven months. By eight and nine. No. My feet are swollen. I'm miserable. I can't carry the trays anymore. It's it's not a fun experience, but I have no other choice because I can't even, even after once I go into the hospital and I have the baby, I'm back at work a week later. Exactly. Because I can't survive without the money. You don't even have necessarily a guarantee in the United States. Do you have a job to come back to? We have the FMLA, but that's only applying to certain employers. So if you're mm-hmm. a small employer, you don't even have a guarantee of coming back to a job, let alone pay time off, which almost every other country on earth has. And I'm not saying developed country or wealthy country, almost every other country on earth has some paid leave it's like us and papa new guinea don't like it's absurd absolutely ridiculous so for latoya to not show up at tgi friday yeah some shit it's a big deal and she's been working there for two years and actually they helped contribute to a fund for missing information like if anybody had information like and also the rapper beanie siegel yeah who's from philadelphia so, anywho, um, she doesn't show up. Her, uh, the father of her daughter is concerned, like, calls her family. Um, she doesn't show up to pick up her daughter from daycare. Like, things are, are noticeably wrong. Like, you know that feeling when someone hasn't called you back and you have that pit in your stomach. Like, things are, are scary. She would never not show up to get her kid from daycare. So, um, they file a report, and because she's already been missing for 48 hours, I think at that point, the police immediately start doing investigations of, of where her last had been seen, where she'd been seen last. 
So they actually interview, of course, everyone close to her, including her dad, Melvin, and um, her ex, and her current boyfriend, Stephen. And there's no evidence at his house. Like, there's no leads at this point. So she's still just a missing person. Like, they don't have any more information. I wonder if they even thoroughly investigated the case. Well, actually, that's a good point. Because something that's really you know, kind of special about LaToya's case is it became a catalyst for conversations about reporting on women who are missing. And, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you and probably anybody that would be listening to this that black, indigenous and people of color do not get the same media attention when they've gone missing. Like we've all heard those stories. Oh, yeah. Like when they were looking for Gabby Perdido. Exactly. And they seem to find all kinds of other people while looking for this one person. And that was the case here. And actually, it's interesting because Natalie Holloway had been missing at the same time and there was so much attention on her. And because it's 2005, like bloggers are really starting to emerge and become more popular. And there is this random blogger um, named Richard Blair, I think, who was reporting on this missing and like calling out the media for not paying attention to LaToya, who is this young woman, this young pregnant woman, five months pregnant and beautiful like she even did some modeling because she was so beautiful so like when you think about what grabs media attention you're like what is the difference here and the only difference of course is that Latoya is black and Hispanic or that appears to be the only difference and so after some pushing and he even writes Nancy Grace a letter which like Nancy Grace is the worst but like he even like he's doing everything to get attention and so finally there starts to be attention and I think that's when Beanie Siegel really like increases the amount of money it's a hundred thousand dollar reward for any information benny Sieg- beanie siegel was assigned to jay-z's label at one time oh really mm-hmm. what's the title title records nope no nope, title is a streaming platform oh, okay <laughs> Rockefeller. <laughs> I'm learning. That's awesome. That's You're our second. There. Our second podcast there. is early 2000s record labels. Oh, we're going to start one. that soon. Um, so after the reward increases around this time, they do get a tip that is pointing them right back to Stephen, and this is an old friend of Stephen. They actually get a couple of tips, but I'm just going to go into one right now. It's an old friend of Stephen's who agrees to help Stephen move the body of LaToya. He calls law enforcement. Law enforcement follow them out there. Interestingly, Stephen is apprehended then. They go out there. They can't move her body. It's like too difficult. He gets back in the car. He's apprehended by law enforcement and he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Is he get he's caught by law enforcement while actively trying to exactly. move the body? Exactly. Wow. So, you know, I think we're both pretty skeptical of prosecutors and law enforcement for good reason, but that's a pretty damning piece of evidence. I mean, I don't talk know. about being caught red handed. I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Because my joke, yeah, because that was killed it. (laughs) (laughs) God, you're on fire! Oh my god, that was so loud. Okay, so he gets apprehended. He has on a bulletproof vest. So like the the they suspect that he planned to kill his friend too, and then pin the murder on his friend because he had the bulletproof vest and a firearm on him. So you ask, why did he kill 
Latoya, what was the motivation? Well, as if you didn't think Stephen was shitty enough already, he had another woman in pregnant. his life who was pregnant. And he had attempted to to convince Latoya to get an abortion. She didn't want to. And so ultimately, it's believed that that's why he murdered her. Wow. And again, maybe she was, maybe she could have in a different circumstance been like, uh, you can go fuck yourself. I don't need you in my life. This baby doesn't need you. And in, in, I mean, all babies deserve a loving family, but obviously Stephen was not it. No. Oh, one thing I do want to also say, as I was saying earlier, this issue of missing white women syndrome, like this really draw drew a lot of attention to that, uh, to that dynamic and actually that term was coined around this time by Gwen Eiffel from PBS right iconic I didn't know she was the one behind that so I thought that was really interesting so well it's one thing that both of these stories have in common is there is abuse here Latoya was Mm being that's she was regardless Stephen trying to push Latoya to have an abortion against her will is fucked up. Yeah. If if that that decision is Latoya's to exactly. make. Yeah. You know, it's it goes back to the situation where um Lenita had to stay with her brother to get away from Derek, who clearly she needed away from. Mm-hmm. But if there were more more resources available for Lenita, such as I know in where I was from, where I'm from, and also, um, and that's Eastern Kentucky, there's a place where if you're a victim of domestic violence, let's say that um, there's something that's happening, you can, it's called safe harbor, that you can go there and no one can find you. Like he, he, I don't even know where this place is. Like it is very hidden. And it's meant to be that way. And I think there are a lot of places like that. So if Lenita in Alabama had access to something like that, Derek wouldn't have been able to find her. And like with Latoya, what do you think could have been something that... I mean, I think it's like... Because it seems like Stephen was just a fucking dickhead. Yeah, he was a douche. He, He seems like he was really... Um, I mean, I think that like it's it's a little bit more complex because I don't have any evidence that she expected this level of violence, which, by the way, he 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 killed her by strangulation, which is like a common like strangulation is especially dangerous. And when I think about misogyny and like fearing men like that's something that really sticks out as threatening so i don't think there was anything leading up to this that was particularly noticeable for her to know to flee but there were all these points throughout her life i don't think where she got the the resources and the respect that she was entitled to and strangulation is very common yeah he might not have meant to kill her you know there are lots of lots of folks who are strangling their significant other I don't know Steven's story. Yeah. You know, like, it's easy to paint him as a monster. Mm-hmm. But, like, we don't know what Steven's childhood was like. Like, I tried right. to find information about Steven online, and it was difficult. He does have a website where he's, like, pleading his innocence. But there's just not a lot of information. So I think that... He just so happened to be carrying the... 
That was a setup. I mean, seriously, yeah, I know it's a, it's a struggle. <laughs> but you know what's funny is when I was reading it, I was like, oh, maybe he's onto something. But then I was like, wait, this is a Facebook page from anyway. So, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know Stephen's life. I imagine that there were a lot of moments in Stephen's life that were decision making moments where he didn't really maybe get what he needed right. to be able to be successful. So, no, I think it, it's very easy for these situations. These are really horrible moments in anyone's life. You know, and I can look at different places in my life oh, yeah. where it's like me too. Shit. One wrong cuz I've I've dated people that I've been very afraid of. Mm-hmm. You know, very afraid yeah. of and in situations that could have ended a lot worse than what they did. So, it's so easy for it to become any one of us. And that's, you know, that's something that we, none of us can forget. And, um, but I really, really enjoyed talking about these people's stories. Well, we will talk about it again soon, as long as we continue to feel like doing this. I do want to close by saying that Latoya's um, seven-year-old, luckily, you know, she had her dad was very much part of her life. So he took custody um, just in case folks were wondering, I didn't want to leave them hanging, but Jackie, I really like talking to you about this too. And, um, we will see you next week. So long. Stay safe. Don't get murdered. No, you can't say that. Do you know that's what they say in my favorite murder? Oh shit. <laughs> Did you really so not know long. that? Stay safe. Oh, we need a different one. What about kill men? No. Kill men before they kill you. Kill. Okay, just remember to kill men before they kill you. Fuck yeah.